This is Mike Perkins, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 23 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by my partner, Bob Lucius, Howdy, Bob. Hey, hey, what's going on, Rick? Well, we've got a great show today because we have coming up soon as our guest, uh, uh, Captain America artist, Mike Perkins. Of course, he's known for many other things over the last two decades, but um, that's how we know him as uh, uh, one of the many artists that worked with Ed Brubaker on volume five. Um, and sometimes he was inking Steve Epting. Uh, sometimes he was penciling. Um, and so I uh, can't wait to talk with him because, you know, we've been talking about uh, his work uh, recently on the, uh, the winter soldier. So this will be, uh, this will be interesting to talk with him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're going to get some really great insights from him, I think. Yep. Uh, also, I guess what's going on, we might as well give an update on the Captain America comic book fans Facebook page, right? Uh, Cap Madness has been going on. Uh, we just finished round one. And uh, when by the time you hear this, uh, we will be a couple days into round two. So in today, I think we have Rick Levins going up against Ron Lim, a couple of 90s uh, Cap artists. Tomorrow, oh boy, Bob, tomorrow we've got John Byrne going up against Gene Colon. Oh, my. I know. Some of these have been really hard, Rick. I know. And then the next day, we've got Paul Neary against Mike Perkins. So we'll have to ask Mike about that. Battle of the Brits. (laughs) Oh, and it keeps getting better. Next day, Steve Epting versus Ron Garney. Uh, then we have Frank Robbins versus John Romita Sr. I mean, gosh, it, it's it's going to keep getting tougher and tougher yeah, as we get through this. This isn't getting easier, that's for sure. Yeah. But I will say this has been, uh, if, if, if our listeners, if you're not participating in this, A, I don't want to hear you whining later, but B, you're missing out on like the most fun you can have with your pants on. <laughs> this well, is way better than basketball. I mean, this is, this is the stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, hey. You're talking to a bunch of comic geeks. I think we'd all agree with you on that. Uh, but uh, I digress. So, um, yeah, also uh, going on with the Facebook page, um, we just recently uh, celebrated our one-year anniversary. Man, it's hard. time flies, right, when you're having fun. I can't, right. It's hard to believe April 3rd of 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, I finally got around to uh, to to putting this group together because I got I got tired of of every time I wanted to, to to talk about Captain America on Facebook, it was all about the MCU. Don't get me wrong, love the MCU, but man, let's talk about the comics, right? So, uh, was uh, finally got around to doing that. Man, what a year it's been. Yeah, and you know, I think I mean I speak for uh, I was one of those early uh, early adopters, Rick. But I think I speak for uh, you know we got close to what three thousand folks now in the group, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I speak for uh, you know the vast majority of them when I say that uh, one this group has been an enormous help 
over the last uh, year because of everything that we've had to deal with, uh, you know, from a, just from a social support sort of standpoint. But the other thing is, I know you've tried really, really hard to make this a, a positive group, you know, a lot of positive energy, not a sort of place where, you know, folks take pot shots at each other and snipe at creators, but the sort of place where we can enjoy each other's company and, uh, and you know, and have great constructive discussions that uh, you come away with feeling better and more informed than you, than you started with. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Bob. I, I agree. I mean, my, my vision was always to ha- make this an oasis, right? We got enough stuff going on in our lives, enough stress, enough things that, uh, you know, maybe we want to just forget for a little bit. So that was the the thought process behind the page this whole time was just let's go get together and talk about something that we love. Um, and, and, and I would say for the most part, uh, our, our members really do a great job with that. So, um, you know, kudos to, to everybody uh, there. Um, so, you know, one of the things too, you know, being on the Facebook page is we learn about stuff that we hadn't, didn't know we always wanted. And, uh, so one of those things I know for you has been, um, you've gotten into statues. And, um, so, uh, I just want to give a shout out to my local comic shop, um, which is, um, comic fortress they're they're in new jersey but but i I would say for anybody listening um if you are into statues or if you are into bus maquettes action figures anything like that and it doesn't have to be just cap right i mean marvel dc independence pop culture any of that stuff highly suggest you go to comicfortress.com and check them out um because you know you know what else uh is uh really hot right now bob what's that rick that would be something called hot toys uh so they've got a uh, a huge selection of, of those on there as well yeah. so uh check them out at yeah. um uh, comicfortress.com you know i i gotta tell you rick you know i live in florida right and uh you've mentioned uh you've mentioned comic fortress before and i've checked them out online and uh you know i've i've i've, I've seen some stuff i want on there and the prices are great and uh i'm just waiting for you know a little bit of wallet to uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, my wallet to thicken up before I order a couple of things because they do have a great selection and great prices. Yep, absolutely. All right, so uh, we've got. Uh, let's get to our guest, Mr. Mike Perkins, uh, and uh, chat with him. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I mean, you've been a member of the the Facebook group since we started a year ago, and uh, and and in that time, you've provided some some great insight to your three years right. on the series. Uh, but it's, uh, it's so nice to finally have a chance to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and your, your timing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we recently reviewed the winter soldier, uh, six issues story arc in captain right. America volume five, which was written by Ed Brubaker. And of course, art by you and Steve Epting. Yep. So let's start there. Uh, the very beginning of your time on the series, right. Um, You've been in the business uh, for a little more than ten years at this point, paying paying your dues. Yeah, uh, yeah. you were working on several uh, cross gen titles for a few years, mm-hmm. and uh, you just got your foot in the door at Marvel with the Spellbinders miniseries, right. uh, which brings us to two thousand and five. And Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting they they launched a a new volume for Captain America, and you get the assignment to to ink Epting starting with uh, issue number eight, which yep. just so happens to be the Winter Soldier Part One. So right. tell us how you got that gig. The thing was, it was um, when when you're a, a comic book artist in Europe or in England, 
you, you basically do everything. You pencil, you ink, you color. Sometimes you do the lettering. Um, so you do absolutely everything. Um, and then when I was at CrossGen, I was just brought in as an inker uh, of a butch guy, Song Ruse. And the, the nice thing about CrossGen was that we were all in our little quad areas. Um, and there were two teams per area. So ours was the Ruse and Crooks quad. So it was Butch, Laura, and me, and then um, Epting, Frank Diamata, and Rick Magyar, all in one area, which was great because we all come from a similar kind of illustrated background. Mm -hmm. um, and so we would always look at each other's work and, and, and swap inspirations and all this kind of thing. Um, and at that point, I didn't really ink Epting Steve that much because um, you know, you're, you're connected to your own inker, but he always liked what I was doing on Butch. And every now and again, we would slip in a panel here and there, which, which I would ink um, just, just to see what it would look like together. Um, and then when Crossroad fell apart and uh, I was picking up other work at Marvel, and um, I think Steve, he came across some family problems and he couldn't keep up with the deadline. Um, and so he, he wanted me to, to ink him uh, on the book. And at that time, because I was primarily an inker at Crossroad and therefore primarily known as an inker in the American industry, um, I was kind of looking to, to push myself back into the industry as a penciler, inker, really. Um, but it, but I, helped, I helped Steve out on a couple of issues. Um, then I inked the Lee Weeks one on issue 10, which is never reprinted because it's all part of the, um, the House of N stuff. Um, and then they, they wanted me to carry on inking Steve. Um, and I actually turned them down. I said, no, I, you know, I appreciate it, but I, I'm, I'm trying to reestablish myself as a pencil at Inca. And then, um, and then Brubaker got in touch the next day and, you know, he said, why don't you do alternate arcs and help out Steve whenever he needs the help? And, uh, and that, that, that was perfect, you know, because mm -hmm. it, it was reestablishing me as a pencil at Inca. And, and also maintaining that process of inking over Steve as well. So it all worked out perfectly. Yeah. And, and you know, I've been following the book anyway, um, primarily because I was a fan of both, both Steve and, and Ed. Um, and so for me, it was, it was a great opportunity, really. Right. And, and by my count, from 2005 to 2008, uh, I think you worked on like say 21 cap issues. Maybe you probably know more than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it looked like uh, I would say about half of them, you did the pencils and, and, and the other half were, were strictly inks. And, right. um, and, and then you did the one cover for 15. Um, so, uh, and in some cases you, you only penciled some pages in an issue and emptying right. penciled the others. Yeah. That, that was, that was after, uh, was it twenty six to thirty something like yes, that? Yes, after the yeah, we death. were doing half issue, half issues each at that point. Yeah, and and so, 
that um, how did that work? Was that challenging doing half no, issues no. at that point? No, I think I think it worked out really well because the thing is with the um, the alternate arcs was that I'm a very regular um, artist. Right? I'll do a pencil pencil ink page per day. Um, so when you're just kind of concentrating on the alternate arcs, I needed something else to do in in the meantime, um, which enabled me to do the Union Jack stuff and the House mm -hmm. of M Avengers stuff. Um, but it was also, I mean, with the, when we were doing half issues each, that kind of worked out better because it was more of a steady flow along. And, and the good thing was, was with, uh, with Frank Diamata, he just pulled everything together. Yeah, um, great and it, and, it, and it made everything very smooth looking between the two of us to the point where some people didn't know who was drawing which issue. And you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself, you know, on that, on that level with with Steve. But it was it was Frank who was pulling us both together, you know. Um, so I, I think it just worked out really well at that point that um, that we were doing the half issues. Yeah, you know, I was I was gonna I was gonna say, Mike, and you, I think you 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 kind of answered this question, but you know, your pencil seemed to to mesh so nicely with right. uh, with that things in in geistes and uh and i wondered if that was by by design or if that was no, just a no. happy accident no it was just it's just an accident i mean that was that was one of the things we noticed at crushem was that when we were in that quad we we were all coming from a similar influence of backgrounds the the more the more realistic um kind of things less less manga and more illustrated um and so, so I think that would it just fed in naturally, and I, and I guess, um, I mean, Epting was was pushing for me, but also I, I guess the editorial realized that they could meld us together in some way that it wouldn't be such of a shock to have, you know, two two separate artists on there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Rick and I have talked about this so many times, and you know, and I, I've described it as a, as a symphony. You know, I right. mean, between the writing and and the pencil work and the inks right. and the colors of the different creative team, I mean, it's it's a symphony. Yeah, uh, beautiful stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just I was following Ed's work anyway, and it was um, I've I've always followed Ed's work, and it's just it's brilliant stuff. Um, and you know, that's where that's where the basis of it comes from that's where the strength of it comes from um with edge writing and um and it was wonderful to to work with him as well yeah so speaking of ed and i want to get back to your beginning on the series uh which is with that winter soldier story mm -hmm. um and i know you you trust ed right uh but but were you were you ever worried uh, about bringing back bucky after all those years that that maybe <laughs> it may not be well received i mean you know, he and Uncle Ben were supposed to be like the only two characters right. to never come back from the dead. Right. I, I, I did. I think I did trust him. Yeah. Um, I think more so. You know, Tom Tom Breville has has maintained the the Marvel continuity for so long, and so if he was willing to accept it, then I think it was okay. I mean, I've, I've read interviews with him where he wasn't willing to accept it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, he was trying to convince Ed that it wouldn't work. 
And then Ed convinced him, you know, this, this can really work. And, and so Tom just left it up to him and said, okay, I trust you with this. And so I think that's what, that's what it came from, you know. Um, I, I, I remember reading the first issue and, and seeing, seeing the hand there, the metallic hand. And I was like, oh, it's Deathlock. But, yeah, you know, it wasn't. But <laughs> I was very excited by that. Yeah, I I got to say uh, it did work, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, it, here we are, fifteen years later, and when you look back on on your contribution to the Winter Soldier origin, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, it, I mean, most Steve, of that was most of that was Steve, really. I, I can't really take any credit for that. I mean, it, it was it was pretty much established by the time I was there. I mean, it was eight issues in, um, and so a lot of that. Is, is Steve. Um, but even, even so, just being a part of that is fantastic. Just being a part of a character, because it's very difficult to establish long-standing characters in comics. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can come up with so many different characters within the context of a story, and, they, and they, they're just around for that story. They don't, they don't take off, you know, and, and it's it's very difficult to establish something that is, is gonna become part of that Marvel continuity forever. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the, previously, you know, I've, I've been doing the Spellbinders and, you know, we were thinking, oh, you know, the, we can have lots of different titles with this, we can have lots of different series, but, you know, nothing happened from it. So it's, it's very intriguing and I, and I know that, Winter Soldier had that background of being Bucky, you know, so that was that was there originally. Um, but even so, it's difficult to to bring in a character who's got that staying power. So that that's a great segue because I I, I want to talk about the first issues uh, of the series that you did pencil. You mentioned you you did arcs, right? So fifteen right. through seventeen was your yeah. first one where you penciled and inked, um, and it was a great three three part story of of right. Crossbones. Right. Uh, breaking the the reprogramming did on Cynthia Schmidt, who is the Red mm -hmm. Skull's daughter, yeah. and then she's now transferred into Sin, um, and she and Crossbones go on a, on a killing spree. Right. Now, you and Epting collaborated on designing her look and feel, right. uh, and you shared one of your designs on on the the Cap Facebook group, right. and right. Uh, she's a pretty scary looking girl. Yeah. Um, was that fun? And and how often do you get to design a new look for a character or an entirely new character. Um, the the way the way that we approached that was was uh, Steve did uh, a design. Then I saw that design and came up with a different take upon that same design. So I can't I can't remember if if uh, Steve had put the the little knives into her bodice. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I added those. Um, and the, and the big boots and all this kind of stuff. So it was it was more of a collaborative effort going on there. Um, I mean, it's always interesting to design uh, new characters and and uh, and develop those looks. Um, there's there's a lot of thought process that goes into it, especially with with Sin, how she is. Um, she's very active. She's very, you know, kind of, you can almost imagine her kind of jittering in the corner, ready for some action. Oh. Um, 
so for her to have those those knives just just ready and waiting on her bodice to to throw i mean it, it just made perfect sense really mm-hmm. um i don't know how practical it would be in real life but um there's, there's you you can kind of play around with that you know i mean you you look at I mean, you look at any of the costumes, and right, yeah, you know, in in real life, they would just be ludicrous. Um, but uh, it, it works within the context of that that comic, I think. Yeah, well, it would be uh, interesting to see. Uh, I mean, because she she obviously developed as a character throughout the years, uh, became a bigger part. Um, right. I think it was Fear itself. She right. was a, a major character, and um, I guess it's it's. Uh, somewhat of a, a you know a, a thrill being you know a little bit of a proud moment seeing some characters that you worked on that right. know, and brought back you know develop yeah. um so the the next three issue story arc you worked on uh which was uh during the civil war tie-ins right and so you penciled and you inked and uh and there's this great splash page um uh opening splash page for issue 23 right and on the front of the building that that Bucky's breaking into, right, right. Uh, which is this old brick stone building that's boarded up, and you have the uh, the title of the story written on the building in tall letters, and it's the Drums of War, Part yeah. Two of Three, yeah. and then you have the creators' names there, uh, and I'm not doing it justice in my description, so I <laughs> please everybody check it out, um, but it's very reminiscent of a Jim Steranko style, right? And, and was that your influence in in that lettering of on that? Yeah, building? I mean Steranko and and Will Eisner basically um nice because uh, eisner was always doing that with with the buildings but I can't, I can't recall whether ed had put it in the script that he wanted that kind of look you know um it, it just it just seemed to scream out for that approach um that's probably one of my favorite opening sequences um that i drew on cap that whole kind of four page sequence um with the Winter Soldier breaking into the shield base. I just love that kind of shadow, that creepiness, you know, he's trying to get around different people. Um, I mean, I, I was drawing it at a time um, when uh, Butch, Butch Geis and Laura Martin and Andrew Hennessy, we were sharing a studio together. And um, so I was drawing it and they could just hear me giggling with enjoyment at drawing this thing. Um, <laughs> And at one point, you know, Butch was saying, you know, feels like you're drawing Nightwing, you know. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of, they're, they're kind of similar in, mm-hmm. in look and facial uh, design. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that opening was, was just, it was a thrill to do that. I mean, it was so perfectly paced out. Um, it wasn't rushed into, you know, right. Ed, Ed made it breathe. Well, I have to say that is something that's certainly common among uh, all those stories in volume five is the pacing. You know, right. It's just, uh, you know, excellent storytelling. Um, so, you know, going back to Stranko and, and Will Eisner, um, who, who were your influences? Um, you know, for me personally, my influences come more from the, the British end of the market. Um, you know, my, my favorite comic was 2000 AD. So it's, it's all, you know, Brian Bolland, Ian Gibson, Dave Gibbons, Mike McMahon, you know, Steve Dillon. Um, so all the all these people are kind of the, the major influences. I think I, I will pick up um, the American reprints in England. Um, 
but it wasn't until I was about 15 that I really came across the, the influences from the American market. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about influences, but it, it's such a subliminal thing that they're not on that, you know, they're not on the surface, they're underneath somewhere. So, you, you know, then you've got people like Perez and uh, Rick Leonardi, Garcia Lopez, and, and, and people like this who are just astoundingly good. And, and Butch himself, you know, right. when, um, when X Factor came out and then The Flash and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, those, those people, I mean, when, when Crush Gen started, I was originally um, slated to ink uh, a different artist who, who is, who's brilliant in his own right. But then I heard that Butch was coming in. I was like, oh, no, 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 you know, put me with Butch instead, you know, nice. um, because he was, he was one of my heroes growing up. He was one of my influences, um, which he gets mightily embarrassed about, but that's, uh, <laughs> can't do anything about that. Hey, uh, not to put you on the spot, Mike, uh, yeah. but, you know, we're doing that March Madness uh, event in the Captain America comic book fans uh, group. And uh, so you've mentioned that uh, you've been a fan of, of Cap over the years. And yep. uh, what uh, what what are your favorite pencilers and, uh, and writers uh, in the long history of, uh, of the Cap mythos? Oh, there's so many, right? That's that's one of the things. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is. Um, I think... <sighs> I think when I was younger, it was most of the reprints in the British stuff were the um, Sturenko things. Um, also, the Gene Colan uh, cap stuff as well. I mean, Gene Colan was, was just magnificent as an artist, especially his Tomb of Dracula um, oh, yeah. stuff. And that was a massive influence for me as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would say if you if you're going back to that, then then those guys um, coming coming forward to the modern times. I love the John Cassidy stuff as well. When when that was relaunched, I absolutely love that work. Um, and then you know going going all the way up to Epting, I thought Epting was a fantastic cap artist. Um, that's oh, too many. Yes. I'm, I'm, I, I, know, we, we, I mean, we see this in the group, people who struggle over you right. know, trying to identify their favorites. But there's so many stuff, good right? ones. It's That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, you brought it up, so I might as well mention this, right? So, um, uh, Mike, just want to say congratulations on advancing oh. past round one in our Cap Madness, the uh, best oh. Cap artist bracket. <laughs> I know Carlos, so it's uh, it's painful for me. <laughs> uh, and for those listening who don't know, um, on our Facebook page, uh, we have uh, 32 cap artists battling out in a March Madness bracket style. In and alphabetical it, order, so yes. that, that makes it fairer. You know, I, I, thank you. I, yeah, I got, I got go. a little grief for that. I don't know. But, um, I thought I was being fair. Uh, so, yes. Um, so, you know, fans can vote, go and, and they can each day vote for a different artist. And uh, we, by the time this airs, we just finished round one. Um, and so you you beat Carlos Pacheco pretty handily. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> and uh, so for round two, in, in just a couple of days, uh, you go up against fellow Brit Paul Neary. Right. Now, do you, well, do you have any words for Paul in case he's listening? Um, you know, Paul was on for a while yes. on, on the books. Um, so, you know, if, if he beats me, it's probably fully deserved. Uh, I'll go and cry in the corner. <laughs> it, it will probably be fully deserved. But uh, I would like to say that if, if I had done as many issues as Paul, then there would be no competition. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yes. You know what? That is very, um, very diplomatic of you. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, and, and Mike's the true gentleman. Um, so let's get back to your time on cap. So let's talk about what came after your civil war issues, uh, 25, the yeah. death of Steve Rogers. Uh, and by the way, for those who didn't know, spoiler alert, Steve was killed back in 2007. You know, you know something I didn't know. I didn't know. I'd, I'd done, I'd done the civil war issues, 2022 20, to 24. Um, Epting was drawing 25 on his own. And then um, I was working on 26. The problem was, was um, because of the way Steve uh, McNiven was working, the end of Civil War was delayed by a few months. Yes. Um, and so we couldn't put Cap 26 out when we wanted to. Uh, tw Cap 25, we couldn't put that out when we wanted to. So I got the script for 26 and there was Steve Rogers emaciated on the table. And I was in touch with Ed and I'm like, what, what's going on? I don't know anything about Captain America 25. You know, I was just like, I had no idea what was, what was going on. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. And then of course I had to keep quiet about the whole thing for months because, um, because of the delays with the last issue of Civil War coming out. Yes. It's an interesting time. How <laughs> how hard was that, uh, you keeping your silence about something that big? I'm pretty good at keeping secrets, but even so. It was it was uh it was pretty difficult. Now do you have and, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, all right, um do you have I mean because some of us comic fans, uh, you know, I mean, outside of this, you know, great Facebook group we have, some of us comic fans, we don't have anybody else to talk to about comics. So I'm just right. wondering, like, you've got this huge news about right. Captain America dying. Uh, and like, you know, do you have anyone in, in your family or close friends that you can be like, hey, you know, talk about and they I, actually care? No, I mean, it's it was more of a case of I just had to keep quiet because if, if I told, I mean, I was telling my wife, obviously, but if I told one person and it got out, then, yeah, you know, who knows what would have happened? It's, it's, <laughs> right. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Tom Brevo would have sent the the hitmen around or something. <laughs> Winter Soldier would have been coming after you, right? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, you know, I've 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 listened to past interviews with you, Mike, and I know that uh, you've said before that as a as a young lad, you were a fan of Captain Britain. Yes. And, and I am too. I, that's a great pleasure of mine. And, uh, and I, I think a lot of Cap fans uh, aren't all that familiar with Captain Britain's early run and particularly that arc 
I think it was issues 16 through 27 where he teamed up with Cap and, right. and went against the Red Skull. And I, I just absolutely adore uh, right. that particular story arc. But I, I mean, I just, I, I, I'd like to know your thoughts. I mean, if you remember that particular arc. Well, and- I tell you what, I mean, when, when Captain Britain came out, which was what, 76? I was, um, I was six years old. So this, this was my comic, this was it. Um, and then was it issue seven or eight or something? Um, it opens up with, with you know, the, on the cover, it's, it's the two caps fighting. And my mind was just blown. It was like, this is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I mean, so for me, Captain Britain was just great. I mean, the thing was, was when he came back in that later storyline, um, I mean, that, that was just brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the only kind of strange things were the, 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 uh, the police, you know, uniforms were a bit off, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah. I'm sure some of them had guns and things like this. <laughs> like, right. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was great. That was a great, great arc. And oh I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I and I love your. I mean, your your Union Jack work, uh, right. Volume Two, was just phenomenal as well. well and that, I, it, that, sorry, go on. No, no. Uh, well, I, go ahead. It, but I, after this, I want to ask you uh, what your thoughts are about a future team up between, say, Cap and and right. Captain Britain or or Union Jack. I'd love to see that. Well, the, the whole Union Jack thing came about because. Um, like I said, you know, I was looking for other things to do because there, there was not really enough work for me with the alternate arcs solely. Um, so I was actually at a convention and I was talking to Andy Schmidt, who was the, the editor at the time. And I said to him, you know, how about if we do a Union Jack? Because Union Jack had just been in Captain America at that time um, with his hockey mask thing on, which we, we don't talk about that. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I said to Andy Schmidt, I'm like, well, what's the possibility of just coming out of Cap and having a Union Jack miniseries? And he just walked off. And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, that wasn't such of a bad idea, right? And, um, and then he came back and he had the proposal from Chris Gage in his hands, which he was going to read over that weekend. So I was like, everything was just perfect. That's synchronicity right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, and especially when he, they told us that we could just use the normal uh, costume, it was, it was great, that was fantastic. Um, as far as Captain America and Captain Britain, I don't know, I mean, the thing is, I, th- I think Union Jack in a way is is closer to Captain America than Captain Britain. Um, just just from background point of view, you know, coming up from the slums, you know, becoming this, this hero. Um, I mean, I know that Captain America has a super soldier serum. Union Jack doesn't really even have that. Um, in a way, you know, Captain Britain is Brian Braddock. I mean, that's just, he's almost a god in a way. Yeah, he's, he's a heavy, heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he comes from an entirely aristocratic background as well. Um, so I think Union Jack is kind of more similar to Captain America than Captain Britain is. Um, but I do like the way that at the moment, it seems like Betsy Braddock is taking over the Captain Britain role, which I, I think is great. So it's a good fit. 
So uh, while we're celebrating CAP's 80th anniversary this year, um, I would be remiss if I did not mention another CAP project you worked on, Mm -hmm. which was the Captain America 65th anniversary special. Now, granted, it was it was only two pages of the story, but you you penciled and inked the last two pages of this Ed Brubaker one shot. Uh, And I know this because I'm the proud owner (laughs) of one of these two pages. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, there we go. and so, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I, I, I really like it is, is that it shows Cap and Sharon together yeah. um, in, in a quiet moment. Right. And um, he has his uniform on, but uh, his mask is off. And, it, it, and plus, there's a great image of the shield helicarrier right. uh, and a majestic mountain scene. So do you prefer drawing quieter moments or action scenes? And then also indoors versus outdoors? Or do you, do you prefer like a, a variety to mix things up? I think a variety. A variety is the, the best way to go about it. I wouldn't want to do a comic which is entirely action scenes. In the same way, I wouldn't want to do a comic which is entirely just two people talking. Um, I, I, th- I think there's, there's a time and place for both of those things. Um, and, and I think they can be utilized together. You know, I, I don't think that's a, there's, there's a, a disparity between those two things um it's it's difficult it's difficult to actually draw quiet moments sometimes um but i have but i you know i have been complimented by a lot of editorial staff that i'm I'm very good at emotive uh moments with characters so i get i guess i guess it's one of my strengths to put Mm -hmm. that emotion in there um so, you know, I do enjoy drawing that. Um, but I, I guess a lot of that influence would come, you know, you can look at films, you can look at different things. You look at, you look at the interaction of characters on um, Strangers on a Train in Hitchcock and it, it's, it's fantastic. So you just take elements from different things for, the, for those different moments. Um, <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, action scenes can be can be more difficult. You know, you have to you have to emphasize and exaggerate everything. Um, so you're moving away a little bit from the realism of, of the piece. Um, but, I, but I think Epting was great at that. Epting managed to keep that realism within those fight scenes mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so yeah, so like I was saying, I, I think those things can can uh, amalgamate brilliantly. I don't think it should be one or the other, you know. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I I think another great example of where you I think you really melded that well was the uh, was that sort of short story in the Captain America Sam Wilson number seven. Right. Uh, I mean, I love that. Uh, right. That was the seventy fifth anniversary one, right? Uh, I think it might have been, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just uh, that that the ballet and the time. I mean, that was that. I love that story. Done. I love yeah. that story. It was um, that one came about because I was in the I was in the Marvel offices, and I was talking to Axel and Tom that I wanted to do a bit more short story stuff. And Tom said to me, "Do you want to do something for the seventy fifth anniversary?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay." You know who's who's writing it. And he said, well, you're, you're the first, I just sat down and we just started thinking about it. So you're the first person I asked, who do you want to write it? I'm like, 
Nice. Greg Rucker. Anyway, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get Greg. Um, so, you know, I, I was actually just before the New York Comic Con, and I, I went up to Greg and I said, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to work together on something. Um, and he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to do a Captain America Black Widow story. Um, and the original idea was to approach it in different styles where Captain America, and, and you could reflect this through the, how you were drawing it, where Captain America would see something in black and white and, and Black Widow would see it in shades of gray. And so I wanted them to be on a mission together and seeing it from different perspectives. And, um, and Greg loved it, but he said, you know, that's, that's not a six or 10 page story. It's just like, it's not. Um, so he came up with this other one and, uh, and it, was, it was a great story. And I read through it and, you know, Cap and Black Widow weren't in costume but it didn't matter because the story was so, so great. Um, and there was only one thing I added in that story because they go, they go, Cap goes up to the balcony to get the guys who were uh, ready to shoot the ballerina. And um, in, the, in the script, he goes in and he, and he just lays into them. Um, and I was like, oh, we, we gotta have a Cap moment there. So on the way up, he bumps into a waiter and takes his um, tray, his circular tray, and uses that as a shield instead of just going in the lane. And so that was my addition to it, just to make it more, you know, more cap-like instead of just being any other superhero would have gone in and just laid into them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was great. Um, and also it, it's from the original art point of view, that thing is, is loved by a different demographic, you know, because it's quiet, because there's, there's all this setting and everything. It's not scary to look at in a way, you know. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautifully done Thank uh, you. Rendered, rendered story. Thank you. So. All right, so uh, you had just talked about uh, this uh, particular issue that you had done uh, for the, the 75 anniversary. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned that you said, well, you know, and it wasn't because the way you did it, it wasn't very eerie. It wasn't very, you know, scary. Um, so let's talk about something that is uh, pretty eerie and scary, right? Because uh, right. we're, we're all about cap, but I want to mention your current series Swamp right. Thing for DC Comics mm -hmm. uh, that you're doing with uh, writer Ram V. Because I have to say, um, this is some of your best work. Uh, oh, and it's, it's a perfect match, um, for the, for the dark eerie style of the series. Right. Um, and, and the amount of detail, uh, that you you're pouring into the work right. is, is amazing. Um, what, what's been the reaction so far? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. People are loving it. Um, you know, Ra Ram is, is definitely this kind of writer that gets the, the poetic notion of the character. Um, which works really well. Um, and Swap Thing's one of those characters that I think probably any artist would love to work on, um, especially artists like myself who love to, to delve into that, that detail. Sometimes if I need uh, the reference, 
then I can just go outside, you know. Because in Florida, <laughs> I can just go into the garden and look at the swamp, you know. And, uh, oh, that's perfect. And uh, and try to get some background there. But but it's uh, it works. It works so well, especially especially that we're trying to open up the purview of it, that it's not just set in a swamp. That we we can do. I mean, the first two issues, a lot of them are in the, the desert um, with the pale wanderer, who was a great character to, you know, bring in that old Western kind of mm-hmm. style. Um, and then uh, then we go into the green with issue three and four. So it's more kind of eerily psychedelic. Um, and then we, we've got London in issue five. And then I'm not even going to say what's in six, seven and eight because it's it's very exciting so it's um yeah i mean it's it's really building up i'm hoping because the way we're doing it is it's set in seasons so Mm -hmm. uh the first 10 issues of season one so i'm hoping that we can get to a season two how have sales been so far do you know very good i think i mean um i i think they were expecting a certain amount uh which is kind of here and they got the amount which is here. Um, Wonderful. So, the, and in case people at home don't know, <laughs> he just said <laughs> the, the expectations oh, were right. uh, at a <laughs> at a mid level, and the sales were at a high level. So just, yes. just filling in the blanks there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that description was perfect for radio and podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the the first issues were over forty five thousand. So. That that's very that's, good yeah, for, for yeah. a swamp thing, especially. Um, yeah, yeah. And we're hoping. I mean, I'm hoping personally that we can bring them over to sixty thousand just through word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, because it is such a brilliant series, and we're we're both enjoying it so much. I yeah. think it would be a shame just to to finish on that that first season. Well, and again, your your art on it is uh, is amazing, um, and I th- I love the fact that you know, you being in Florida, you, you can you just step outside for inspiration. Um, uh, now, I guess that you know I'm just waiting for Bob to ask the question: uh, What is your wife thinking about uh, you going out and and getting inspiration about poison ivy? <laughs> yeah, it's not the poison ivy; it's the it's the things that eat you that I think I'm concerned about. You got to be really careful with your research, right? <laughs> well, I was referring to the character poison ivy, but okay. um well there's actually there's actually two versions of poison ivy in this so it's it's double trouble i guess yeah yes (laughs) you know i I didn't want to mention rick but you brought it up and you you tagged my name to it but uh, i was going to say you know mike you uh you have a certain talent i think for drawing women that i i very much appreciate okay thank you And Bob's wife is is totally fine with that. By the way. <laughs> uh, so, what else do you, do you have? Do you have anything else going on right now? Uh, did they no, did they I finally mean, collect the 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 Lois Lane? Uh, right, Lois Lane was collected into a twelve ish twelve issue bumper pack thing, mm-hmm. um, and that was great to work with Greg again. And, and and I guess every once in a while you might you might be able to to do a little work for fans because. I lucked out, uh, and I'm holding up because again for radio this is great, right? Yeah. Uh, this awesome Winter Soldier um, uh, sketch that um, that Mike did for me. So uh, you know, uh, and and so if fans want to 
to learn more about you and, and reach out to you, they can go yep. to mikeperkinsart.com. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I know you have a link on there for commissions. So I do. Yeah. Uh, if I do, but they might take a while at the moment because sure. my my workload is is crazy at the moment. Yeah, it's, but you uh, also have a lot of pages on there for sale of, of previous work uh, as well. So I think there's a couple of Captain America pages left. Yeah, uh, there's only there's only a couple of those left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I regret missing out on on that earlier. Right. Yeah, I, I mean the. the the link from my site goes to my art dealer site, which is comicbookartgallery.com. Um, and then from there, you can you can look around and, and see what there is. Most of my artwork is is up on that site. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think there's only two or three cat pages left up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then, of course, they can always find you uh, every once in a while on the Captain America comic book fans yeah, Facebook course. group. And uh, do you want to say anything? Because you got to, you know, it's you versus Paul Neary coming up here pretty soon. Do you want to say anything to the listeners? Oh, well, let's hear some trash talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just vote. Vote how you know you should vote. There you go. Hey. <laughs> um, <clears throat> awesome. No, it's, it's good fun. You know, I just, I'm not, I'm not expecting to get to the final round. But I am really. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, we're we're plugging for you. We're plugging for you, uh, Mike. This has been a true pleasure. Thank you for for taking some time out of your day Thank to you. speak with us, and uh, we look forward to to chatting with you more uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot. Well, that was a lot of fun chatting with Mike. Uh, great insight into his time uh, on the Captain America series. Um, Love. Love talking with him, and, and uh, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, really personable and uh, and engaging, and man, he had a lot of great insights into into the relationship between art and writing, and uh, man, just that's great stuff. Man, I love listening to him. Yeah, you know, guys like him talk. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about uh, just a, a quick plug. Uh, next uh, episode we've got coming out is going to be our Falcon and Winter Soldier reaction show. Uh, right. So we've got uh, this will be reacting to episode four. So that'll come out um, on Sunday, April 11th. And then um, next week for episode number 25, uh, we have uh, the winner of our contest coming on, uh, Mr. James Foley. So that uh, that'll be nice talk with him, uh, get his background on why he's a Captain America fan, where he got started. And also uh, the topic that he wanted to to focus on was the 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 captain storyline. Right. From the uh, the time where Mark Runewald um, story, uh, which is very lengthy, we're not going to get into every single issue. But, um, you know, starting where Steve gave up his uh, uniform and shield. Uh, to the time John Walker uh, took over and uh, to the time, you know, where Cap uh, Steve was known as the captain um, and then uh, ultimately him taking back uh, the, the shield. So um, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked on that story yet. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, that, that story is such a, uh, you know, such, such an important part of the Captain America mythos. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet, but it's great that uh, James, James wants to do it. And James is a great guy. And this is going to, I think, going to be a, a, just a really fun conversation. Absolutely. Well, as always, Bob, I've enjoyed wrapping cap with you. 
All right. All right. All right. Let's do it again sometime soon. Okay. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanis, and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. 